Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite team in the Bay Area. And on today's episode, we're going to continue diving into uh, expected to announce uh, head coach David Quinn. And we're going to learn about his tenure with the Rangers with uh, John Jick of the Locked On Rangers podcast. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm J.D. Young, uh, host of Locked on Sharks, uh, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now and Fear the Fin. And of course, I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And of course, today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online's got you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than before. Bet Online, where the game starts. But we have John Chick, who covers the Locked on Rangers, has been doing it for a little while. John, this is the first time we've done a crossover. We've both been uh, with Locked on for a little while now, haven't we? Yeah, I believe it is, though. I mean, I, we were talking, you know, just before we hit record here. I know at one time, you know, there were three hoes for Locked on Sharks and uh, down to two. And now uh, you're rolling solo there. So, uh, you know, you guys you do, do a great job with your show. And I've always been kind of hoping we could link up. And uh, now we actually have a reason to, you know, the, the uh, Sharks hiring David Quinn. Yeah, supposedly higher, and they still haven't announced it, even though it's like, yeah, everybody knows. But um, I liked on their press release, they're like, yeah, we have our, we're announcing our new coach on Tuesday, but we're not telling you who it is, even though everybody in the world knows. So, wanted to get you on because, of course, you've you've covered the Rangers for a while, you've seen the David Quinn era era uh, through and through. So, let's start with with kind of what what the Rangers looked like before he got there and kind of his tenure. You know, I know they were kind of a struggling team and he was brought in to be kind of help steer the rebuild, but how how what what would you kind of describe his his time in, in New York? Yeah, I mean, definitely something of a mixed bag. You know, obviously when he was hired, the uh the letter had already gone out from, you know, the Rangers upper management and talking about how you know, they basically just admitted they came clean about it. Uh, we're going to trade all your favorite players, all these guys you love, and we're going we're going full-fledged teardown rebuild. And, you know, on, on one hand, you know, it was, it was an unfortunate time to be a Ranger fan because all your favorite players are leaving. But on the other, I think that kind of honesty is refreshing. And I'll be honest, like when they first hired David Quinn, my reaction was, who's David Quinn? Like, mm-hmm. because he's not somebody that's really been in the NHL. I think he was a uh, an assistant coach for the Avalanche very briefly for like a portion of a season, like 10 or 12 years ago. Um, but, you know, they brought him in, obviously a strong track record in college hockey. And I can appreciate the fact that the Rangers, you know, went with uh, a little bit of a bold selection. Um, I did a crossover uh, a while back with Jay Forrester of Locked On Blue Jackets. And Jay made the point that, you know, he feels it's almost like in the NHL, they there's like 35 coaches that just kind of get recycled and just kind of move <laughs> yes. around the league. So, yeah, so. So when they hired Quinn, I was like, all right, well, it's a little bit of a bold hire, and it, it is a complete teardown rebuild, so he's going to be given some rope here. And, you know, it, whatever they do the first season, he's going to survive that. There's no way he'll be one and done because it's a, it's a mm. complete rebuild. And um, I think, you know, he got these guys eventually, you know, all pulling in the same direction. Um, you know, toward the end of his second season there, they were one of the hottest teams in the league before everything uh, was postponed due to COVID. And then the third season, I mean, we'll get into this stuff in greater detail later, but everything that could go wrong went wrong. And a lot of it wasn't really his fault. 
Um, so uh, again, a little bit of a mixed bag and uh, somebody that I think under his watch, the team really kind of came together, but I don't know that he was ever really that coach. Like, did I ever look at Quinn and think like, man, Stanley cup champion coach, I'll be honest. I, I, I did not. Now he might prove me completely wrong and, you know, we'll see what happens there. And this clip might resurface a couple of years from now, if you guys are winning the cup, but, uh, yeah, me, I mean, winning the cup, I am telling everybody and anybody who's ever doubted the sharks ever. Yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, because like I, I on Friday's episode, I, I dug into, you know, kind of, you know, the the Rangers and kind of like their, you know, offensive rankings and stuff like that. And like the, the season before, you know, they got shut down, they were like fifth in scoring. Their defense was OK, but, you know, like the power play was 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 good. Um, they were getting decent, you know, amount of shots on goal. So like it seemed like things were kind of coming together for them, and then like you said, what everything that went wrong could go wrong in the the twenty and you know get that the weird bubble season that he didn't survive. So do you think maybe like well let's let's so what do you what went wrong in that that last season in the bubble season? Yeah, I mean there there was a lot. I mean to begin with, um, you know you had the Tony D'Angelo situation that happened only like five or six games into the year, and uh, you know yeah. he's getting into a fight with his own goalie and. You know, the Rangers are, uh, you know, putting him on waivers and he he never comes back to the team. So you had that uh, Quinn and the rest of his coaching staff actually got COVID and had to miss six games. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's completely out of his hands. There's nothing he could do there. Especially when um, you've you only played 56 games. Yeah, that's like an eighth of your schedule right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So they had they had this like makeshift uh, coaching staff. The AHL coach uh, Drury was like an assistant coach during that time. Um but yeah, that happened. Um, you had that weird thing with Artemi Panarin where that, you know, political hit piece was put out against him. So they were missing him for three weeks, which mm -hmm. to your point, again, a greater percentage of your season than in other other seasons. Um, and then toward the end, you had everything that went that happened with Tom Wilson. And you had, you know, I Jeff Gordon, the that. general yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you remember all that chaos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he was the coach for that. that. That turned out to be about his fifth to last game ever. But, you know, after that, you know, Jeff Gordon was fired in the immediate aftermath of that. He was the general manager. John Davidson, the team president, was fired. And at that point, you know, they let Quinn finish the season, but the writing was on the wall. I just didn't think he was going to be back. And um, again, you know, I do think he did some good things and got this team pointed in the right direction. Um, you know, you mentioned the power play not too long ago, but uh, defensively, they were kind of a mess under Quinn. And, um, you know, part of that is the inexperience and the youth. You know, they were all kind of figuring mm -hmm. it out and all getting used to playing with each other, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, team anti-structure basically under under David Quinn for a while there. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what? Hmm. All right. So you know you you described it like how he did some stuff well. What do you think is kind of his best asset, or like what do you think he brings to the table? Yeah, I think uh, overall, you know, he obviously had a lot of success in the uh, the college ranks, and I'm mm -hmm. actually looking at your depth chart here. I mean, I, I stands to reason that the Sharks have a pretty young team. But I'm they looking do. at this. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, everybody's like in their 20s, basically. They're, there's like three or four guys that are over 30. But um, I think he would work better with a roster of younger players because um, my understanding is that, and this is just going by people that cover the team. You know, they're in the locker room yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're, they're really plugged in. But um, my understanding is that Quinn is, is a little bit of a micromanager where, you know, he's kind of like keeping tabs on these guys all the time. Not the worst thing in the world, but I think this Ranger team responded a little bit better to Gerard Gallant, who, you know, if they have a day off and they're away from the rink, he just kind of lets them do whatever they want to do and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He's not kind of like keeping close tabs on them. And, you know, I, I wonder maybe if Quinn has kind of learned his lesson there that, you know, he's not coaching in college anymore. 
he's got, you know, full grown adults here, guys who've been playing professional hockey for, uh, in some cases, many, many years. And he might, you know, pull back the range just a little bit there. But my understanding is that, you know, some of the players didn't necessarily, that wasn't their favorite thing about David Quinn, that he it kind of felt like he was always kind of like watching them like a hawk, so to speak, if that makes sense. Makes sense. All right, before we continue, um, we're going to get into kind of how Quinn treats young players and how Quinn treats older players. Let's take a quick break, talk to you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. You guys know Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your betting needs. They've got your favorite sports and events and the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball. NFL starts next month, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. They continue to be the top online resource for all your favorite uh, sports wage information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. So a lot of Sharks fans right now, you know, we've, there's a lot of rumors that David Quinn doesn't like young players. You know, we've heard, especially with like Capo Caco, who was, Seemed pretty happy that Quinn left, you know, because in his words, he felt like, you know, you make one mistake, you're going to the fourth line. And Sharks have already been living this with, with Bob Bugner, um, you know, especially with a lot of their young players, you know, Jonathan Dahlin, who uh, is no longer with the Sharks. Ryan Merkley, he would get benched for, you know, plenty of time. And of course, we have our one precious William Eklund, who's coming, making the jump back over. Should we be worried about William Eklund in his playing time? <laughs> Uh, no, you know, again, I think it's a situation where he'll probably uh, learn from those mistakes. And William Eklund is obviously somebody that you have to play. Um, as you alluded to, though, J.D., you know, when he was on the Rangers, uh, one of the things that he would come under fire for as far as Ranger fans are concerned was just what you mentioned there, man. And, you know, not playing Capo Caco in a prominent role, not playing Alexi Lafreniere in a prominent role. And it's one thing if, like, you have, like, this awesome team and, you know, you're a Stanley Cup contender and, you know, the kids aren't quite there yet. Maybe you limit their yeah. playing time a little bit. but you know, during that time, the Rangers weren't that good of a team. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it, really. So you should be able to find, you know, at least two spots in the top nine, at the very least, for Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. And they didn't always do that. A lot of times they were banished to the fourth line, and they're out there with guys, you know, like Greg McKaig or, you know, whoever it might be. And uh, that's just not the way to develop young players, which is what the Rangers should have been doing, uh, you know, during the first year or two of Quinn's tenure. So uh, that's definitely something where I think he needs to improve and I think he will. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the benchings or, you know, the demotions yeah. to the fourth line. The thing that I didn't like there, it felt like he had like his certain players that, you know, he would, it was kind of a double standard where like the two that really come to mind are Ryan Strom and Pavel Buchnevich. If one of those two took a stupid penalty, you know, looked to sleep out there, just kind of had a sluggish shift, whatever it might be they'd be benched and they wouldn't see the ice the rest of the game. And then like yep. somebody else would do something like there was a game. I remember uh, Chris Kreider took like just a really lazy, lazy uh, hooking penalty in the neutral yep. zone. And I, I was texting my parents cause they're big Ranger fans too. And they're like, I, I texted them. I was like, dude, if Buchnevich did that, he'd be benched for two weeks. So like, <laughs> It just I, shot into the sun. You're never seeing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're a healthy scratch. Uh, make room for Greg McKeg yeah. here. But uh yeah, no, that that just bothered me a little bit. It just felt like there was a little bit of a double standard where, and now maybe he's trying to push the right buttons with those young players, you know, Buchnevich or Strom mm -hmm. or whoever it might be, and he's trying to light a fire under them and uh, trying to challenge them a little bit. I mean, that that could have something to do with it, but by that same token, uh, certain players would would face his wrath a lot more than other players would, you know. 
Wow, this sounds very familiar to to Bob Bugner because the same thing, like you know, Ryan Merkel would make like a bad pinch or something like that. And, you know, he's trying to make a play. Like the Sharks would be down four nothing. He's there's one. I always remember this. Sharks down four nothing. Ryan Merkley's trying to make a pinch in you know the offensive zone to try to keep the, the the offense going, and of course the puck kind of squirts past him, and you know which leads to a breakaway, and, and then we don't see Ryan Merkley for the rest of the game. It's like yep. you're down four nothing right now. The dude's trying to make some offense, and then Brent Burns, who you know, like God forbid, Brent Burns, if you know he does something terrible, makes the same play. He's back out there for the next shift. He's going to play 20 minutes a night type of thing. And yes, Brent Burns has definitely earned that, you know, leeway of where, you know, being a former Norris winner, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that, that, that does feel very similar to what, uh, what we, what we've seen before with, with Sharks coaches. Yeah. Um, actually JD, I want to ask you real quick, man, because I'm yeah. sure Ranger fans will be, will be interested in this. Cause, uh, you know, Quinn was very polarizing to, to say the very least, but mm-hmm. I mean, how do Sharks fans in general feel about this? And how do you feel about this? And was there anybody you would have wanted more than David Quinn? Did Was there anybody you had your eye on or anything like that? Uh, I am I'm trying to be level-headed as possible because I know Sharks Twitter and stuff right now is absolutely on fire about this. They are not very happy, you know. And I think especially too because, you know, with, with Sharks fans are – we have so – like we're – the team is going through a rebuild without actually fully admit like we're going through a rebuild. You know, they're trying to play that game of like, let's see if we can kind of, you know, thread the needle and, and have our old core. And then we have a bunch of young guys that we're really excited with, you know, like Bortolo and then you have Eklund and then they have, you know, the rest of their 2020 draft class who's going to, you know, going to be playing in the AHL this year. So we, you know, Sharks fans in general, we wanted someone who was, can kind of help develop these guys and, the name that came out was, was uh, Warsawski, the the coach of the Chicago Wolves, the AHL affiliate for the the, um, the Carolina Hurricanes, and you know he just won the Calder Cup there. You know we we know like with those AHL coaches, they're you know you know how the AHLs you're gonna you're having stuff thrown at you all the time because guys getting pulled up, and you know he's he's developed a winning culture and he's you know knows how to develop these these young guys. That's what I think a lot of fans were hoping for was like one of these kind of AHL coaches who who've been able to develop and get guys ready for the NHL and having somebody like that kind of especially with, you know, like I said, when you have Eklund and you have Bortolo and Ozzy Weisblatt and Tristan Robbins and a bunch of these guys who are going to be starting to make their their debuts here soon, like having guys having a coach who can kind of help these guys along is I think where, where Sharks fans were really at and like I said, I'm trying to be level-headed with it and be like, okay, you know, because we see this all the time with coaches, right? Where they go to their first job and it's hard to be a coach, you know, and like you're trying to do everything at once and, you know, you get fired. And I think a lot of times, like, especially you get that year to kind of step back, reevaluate what you did and what, what you did well and what you didn't do well. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that he learns from those mistakes. That That's my hope, at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, if it makes Sharks fans feel any better, you know, you look at the Rangers current coach, Gerard Gallant, you know, things didn't really go all that great at his first job with Columbus. And but everywhere he's been there since, you know, he's he's won. I mean, I realize he's he kind of got a bad deal both in Florida as well as in Vegas. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're just not quite ready or you might not be aware of some of the things that you don't know. And uh, sometimes it can click with a with a second opportunity. So uh, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be pulling for him. I mean, I, I didn't dislike David Quinn. It's just a situation mm-hmm. where, you know, once he was fired and Gerard Gallant was there, it was kind of like, oh yeah, we just upgraded. 
you know <laughs> and so. i mean whenever i'm excited for you guys to be you know in two years to have him replaced by pete DeBoer because that seems to be the natural cycle of you know gerard galant getting replaced by pete DeBoer. but then what you'll go to that, the finals right? your first year because that's what he does so pete DeBoer takes your team yep. to the finals in his first year so um and then it goes south after that yeah oh of course that's yeah. i'm not promising anything after year one so um <laughs> Before we, we finish up, just want to let you guys know, of course, uh, when you're done listening to this episode, make sure you guys go check out the Locked On NHL show. Um, they've got you covered five days a week um, with everything going on, especially right now, the Matthew Kachuk trade. I'm sure the Monday episode is going to be insane. Uh, where were you Friday night when that, that sucker went down? Man, I was like half asleep to the point that like when I saw it, I thought like, oh, somebody's just screwing around. It's one of those fake accounts. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know how it is. People always do that. I, I almost fell for one not that long ago with the Rangers, but uh Pretty crazy, man. Kachuk to the uh, Panthers and Huberto, Uyghur, and, you know, the rest of the uh, every yeah. asset that the Panthers have to the Flames. Pretty crazy. Yeah, right? I was I was yeah, I was at a uh, baseball game and I was like, oh, wow, this is fun. So uh, but yeah, so locked on NHL, they've got you covered. I'm sure they're going to be breaking down the Kachuk trade and um, as, as as close as the NHL is going to get to the NBA offseason. So, John, before we get out of here, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the young players. How about how does Quinn kind of. Go with the veterans because the Sharks do have a fair amount of veterans. You know, you have Eric Carlson, who's going to be kind of taking the reins now in the, the defensive zone with Brent Burns gone. You know, you have so much hurdle. You've got Logan Gator, You've got Timo Myers. Who's, you know, he's still only 25, but he's been playing forever and he's, he's going to be looking for a new deal. How does he kind of work with these veteran guys? Yeah, I mean, I think with the Rangers, he, he did a nice job with them. You know, he he set them up in, in positions to succeed. And I, I think his line combinations tended to make sense more often than not. Um, you know, with, with Quinn and with a lot of coaches in the NHL, they just seem to have more trust and, and they just favor the veterans a little bit more than some of the younger guys. I think that was kind of the case with David Quinn. Like I mentioned, you know, there were times where, uh, you know, either Cackle or Lafreniere were banished to the fourth line, which is something that you don't want to see. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, to be fair, Gerard Gallant didn't name a captain either, but they never named a captain under David Quinn. And I know some people kind of held that against him. I mean, for me, I think it's probably high time for the Rangers to finally name a captain. But by that same token, you know, it's his decision. Um, mm. And he did kind of empower some of the veterans. If you look at the alternate captains under uh, David Quinn, they were all the veterans. Like six alternate captains right now or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That Including our boy, Barkley Goodrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was joking, too, on my show. Like, imagine, like, yeah. if the Rangers actually win the cup. Like, what? Alternate captain Chris Kreider come lift. get the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, all six they of all, them go out there, right? Like a like an ant carry, like a bunch of ants carrying something. <laughs> How funny would that be, right? That'd but be um, yeah, you know, they just for one reason or another they just couldn't decide on a captain. But I, I think for the most part, you know, he kind of empowered, uh, you know, guys like Panarin, guys like Zibanejad, guys like Kreider to kind of uh, lead the room a little bit. I mean, he gave them the alternate captaincy at least, and uh, you know, again, he's he's just one of those coaches that seems to favor the veterans a little bit, and. Uh, you know, everything else being equal, he's going to give more minutes to the guys that have been there uh, as opposed to some of the young kids. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So earlier we, we talked about like how, you know, like we saw the offense improving for the Rangers and stuff like that. What do you think was his kind of the one thing he can hang his hat on while like during his tenure in, in with the Rangers? I think more than anything, it's uh, the team chemistry that was established uh, under his watch. And I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that would have just happened no matter who the coach was. I mean, maybe these guys just kind of hit it off or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, they really kind of came together. And again, this team was kind of in chaos for a while. Uh, you had to go through the entire rebuild. And it just seemed like uh, under Quinn's watch, you know, this this group really uh, came together, 
very nicely. And I think that's carried over into Gerard Gallant's tenure as well. Um, the Rangers, you know, it's you just watch them interact with each other. It's pretty obvious that it's a very close-knit bunch. You know, these guys really play for each other. They'd run through a wall for each other. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you look at the run that they had in the playoffs this past season, uh, being down three games to one against the Penguins, come back and win that series. Being down 2-0 against the Canes, come back and win that series. And then, uh, you know, obviously they didn't beat the Lightning, but they gave them a good run for their money. All those games were close, except for maybe like one of them. Um, so, again, I think he just kind of brought... Uh, under his watch, this team just kind of really gelled. They have each other's backs. And, uh, again, I, I think that's carried over into the Gerard Gallant uh, tenure here. I mean, I, I think Gallant, again, he is the best coach for the job, and he's kind of picked up where Quinn left off and has probably elevated them to a level where I'm not so sure Quinn could have taken them. But mm. the one thing that he didn't have to do and didn't have to worry about too much was establish, you know, that that chemistry in the locker room, which is so important in sports. You know, I know everything's analytical these days and, you know, all these different algorithms say that this team's going to beat that team. Right. But yeah. man, like anybody that's played sports, like, you know, man, I mean, it, it's it means everything. If, you, if you've got a team where everybody has that camaraderie, it's absolutely huge. And I think that happened under under David Quinn's watch. Yeah. And you you, t- you wonder, too, especially where. You know, the Sharks, there's been whispers, especially with, you know, the whole Vander Kane situation where people did it along when he was there. And you heard last year just how much happier it seemed like the, the locker room was, you know, especially with I know they weren't winning a lot of games last year, but just kind of guys got along together better. So hopefully with with the Sharks, where they do have a lot of kind of established guys who've been there for a while and he can kind of come in and help some of the new guys that are going to be coming in. You know, Mike Greer has done a spent a lot of this offseason trying to kind of fortify that bottom six which has been kind of a revolving door of who's who type of, of guys and you know guys who are maybe not quite nhl caliber or rookies who are just you know not quite ready to kind of contribute so um yeah hopefully quinn can kind of help do that so um and other than the like kind of playing you know uh you know not playing you know young guys in prominent roles what do you think is the one other thing that he kind of really needs to work on yeah, I would say um, probably just uh, – we, we talked about this a little bit before, but I would say just pull back the reins a little bit. Don't feel like you have to micromanage every little thing around the team. Uh, you know, let mm-hmm. them be who they are. And don't be so trigger-happy with the constant line jugglings, the constant demotions, the con- not constant, but, you know, the, the occasional yeah. benchings. Um, just a little bit too trigger-happy with that. And I think, you know, for a young team especially, you the last thing you want is for these guys to be out there uh, playing scared and being terrified of making a mistake and thinking, oh man, if I turn the puck over, I'm going to bench the rest of the game. That's no good. I mean, they're, the Sharks just aren't going to come along if uh, if that's the case, if they're out there afraid to make a mistake. So uh, again, I, I hope that Quinn, you know, he's um, he's a little bit tough, but and he can still be tough. And I think mm-hmm. there's times where, you know, a benching does send the right message or a demotion does send the right men- message. I just think he went to the well a little too often uh, when he was with the Rangers. And uh, for your sake, JD, and for the sake of Sharks fans, hopefully... He doesn't do that quite as much uh, in the future for you guys there. John, you've said it all. Uh, where can the people find you? And where can they find Locked on Rangers, of course? Yes. Yeah, so uh, you can find me anywhere you uh, get your podcasts. Uh, as far as finding me on Twitter, at jchick17. Uh, the handle for the show is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And um, yeah, you can get if wherever you're hearing this podcast, you can hear Locked on Rangers as well. So uh, how about you, JD? Where can the Ranger fans find you? Uh, you of course, you can find me um on twitter at my Fryhole, the show wherever you get podcasts as well apple spotify odyssey um and then twitter facebook instagram you can find the show on locked on sharks where i'm doing all that um as well please subscribe on youtube uh yeah 
So that'll be it uh, for the rest of this week. We've got, uh, of course, we're going to uh, react to David Quinn's opening press conference. We have a couple guests lined up as well. So make sure you guys are all uh, locked in for that. John, thanks, buddy. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. We'll have to do this again. Yes.